Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Martha Shedden, and today I'm pleased to have John Norse with me on the show. John is the founder of Medicare Portal, an insurance agency specializing in the education and enrollment of individuals into Medicare. During his 30 years in the insurance industry, John has assisted thousands of clients experience a seamless enrollment into Medicare. His extensive knowledge of Medicare uniquely qualifies him to be a certified continuing education instructor, where he provides continuing education classes on complex topics such as navigating Medicare, what it means for beneficiaries, as well as key professional service providers. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Martha. It's so nice to have you here. Um, Medicare is another one of those topics like Social Security that um, retirees need help from us. Mm -hmm. Um, I always like to start uh, learning about the background of our guests. Can you tell me how you got into um, Medicare, specifically in the insurance uh, field? Well, sure. So uh, when I graduated college, uh, I didn't have a job like many people. And my father suggested that the insurance business was a good business. Uh, He had started in the insurance business as well and ultimately became an entrepreneur. So I got my first job working in the insurance business and since that time, have loved what you know what the insurance business has provided me in terms of uh, you know able to help people and the quality of life for me. And about five years ago, I saw the opportunity in Medicare as a great fit for my skill set as well. A market that really demands services like ours today because of the complexities of the program. So I went all in. And uh, here we are today, service in 23 states, have a staff of almost 20 people, and just love every day what we do, and I couldn't be happier. So thanks for asking. Well, and and you just answered a question I was going to ask you. I'd like you to explain how the the portal works, but so you only help in 23 states. I know all the states have different... different programs. So how'd you figure that out? And well, yeah, so great question. So we will be nationwide. That's a licensing thing in our industry. Uh, For those that are insurance agents, understand you have a resident state and you can add states, uh, really just an application process and a fee. We kind of follow our business. So as we've evolved and identified opportunities, 
for us to grow those market segments, we've added those states. And like I said, by next year, this time, we will be nationwide. Uh, as far as um, the services, Medicare is a federal program. So the A and B parts of Medicare are the same throughout all 50 states in the District of Columbia. Uh, what you're probably more alluding to is the secondary benefits, which is where we help uh, the Medigap, the Medicare Advantage and prescription drug plans, where you can have some uh, differentiation in the part C and D, Medicare Advantage and prescription. But Medicare supplement is standardized. The word is used in 2011, which means a plan in California, for example, where you live, letter G would be the exact same letter G in Virginia. So there's no differentiation. And those benefits, costs and things like that vary. But as far as the benefits, which is really what's most important, that is you know, homogenous throughout the country. So that's, that's exciting that you're going to be able to help everyone, because I, I know for myself, I have a lot of clients we refer back and forth to um, my colleague here in in my town, but she's not really able to to help in other states. So I, I can see that um, that's going to be really, really popular to be able to help because you can help remotely very easily. That's right. With covid um, you know, our business model changed. We used to do a lot of in-person uh, educational events in the community. And while we still do those, uh, what we've added is the virtual aspect, as you alluded to. So Zooms like this or whatever the platform someone prefers. And that's allowed us to expand our reach because we offer educational events every month uh, through, through a platform like this. So anyone in the country that's interested in learning about Medicare can hop on one of those and learn what they need to know. It doesn't matter where they live. So um, as a continuing education instructor, then are they receiving credits in their, for their insurance license for that? Yep. So, so when I'm asked to uh, perform CE classes, which we have to approve through those respective states, anytime that I provide a continuing educational course, whether it's virtually or in person, uh, one of the our responsibilities as the instructor is to make sure those hours are properly filed with the respective state. And the underground of that or underlying is that I get that content approved in that state so that that agent sitting on that call can, in fact, get credit for that time spent. And I know from experience, uh, we're working on doing that for our social security courses, that that's a, that's a very uh, intense process for all those states, right? Yeah. Yep. Fortunately, um, I'm a member of NAFA, National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. I happen to be the current local president, but they're a great organization that helps me file a lot of the courses. And then uh, I also have relationships with NAHU, National Association of Health Underwriters, where I've done in the past uh, courses for them as well. NAHU is the National Association of Health Underwriters? You got it. Yep. Outstanding organization. Yep. Based right out of here in D.C., Yes, which is a, an organization I refer people to who live out of state that I don't, if I don't know a Medicare person. Yep, so. yep. A lot of great people for sure. So what do people need to know about the Medicare process before they sure. start? Sure. The first milestone for most people, the overall majority is turning 65. Uh, Medicare does offer benefits for those under 65. If you have a qualifying disability or are diagnosed with end-stage renal disease or Lou Gehrig's disease, so that's any age, the last two. But most people will, at 65, be faced with having to make their first, in a sense, Medicare decisions. And there's two ways to really divide those people. The first are those if they're having to go on Medicare because 
either their retired status, meaning they don't have access to other health insurance. Uh, uh-huh. they're, they work for a small employer under 20 employees. Medicare becomes their primary. Um, so those are the two most common we deal with. And those people would need to enroll in Medicare A and B because as the government program dictates, those become your primary payer of claims. And then you would add, depending on your personal preferences, a Medigap plan with a prescription drug plan or Medicare Advantage. The second person that I mentioned or profile are those that would work past 65. And if they work for a large employer, they can delay their enrollment into Part B and face no penalties. Part A, they can opt for, but here's the interesting on Part A, you would not want Part A at all if you fund a health savings account. So if I personally fund a health savings account past 65, I can't have any parts of Medicare. So I would not want to enroll in A or B if I work for a large employer and fund an HSA. Uh, If you don't fund an HSA, you just have a regular health plan, you can get Part A as your secondary. And then what you create later in life is what's called the special enrollment period, which in a sense grants you those same rights as what's called the initial enrollment period at 65 to then make your choice to pick Part B and then choose the Medigap, the Medicare Advantage and the prescription drug benefits at a future date. So those are kind of the two categories that most of the clients fall into. We do obviously help people that are pre-65, but the majority of clients are around turning 65 or retirement age post-65. So when we're talking with um, soon-to-be 65-year-olds, how how soon should they contact you? Before well, great. Yeah. So kind of in your world, uh, if they're already uh, receiving Social Security benefits, income benefits prior to 65, well, 64 and nine months or sooner, they will be automatically enrolled in A and B. So I'm a September baby. So if I was on uh, Social Security and I'm turning 65 next year in June, thereabout, I will get my red, white, and blue Medicare card mailed to me and I'm automatically enrolled in A and B. And my benefits, my birthday is the 27th. I would start on the 1st of September. Now, one caveat on that, if you are born on the 1st of a month, your initial enrollment period actually will start the first of the month prior to your birth month. So if I was born in September 1st, I would actually have my initial enrollment period built around the month of August, not September. It's a quirky thing in Medicare that you want to pay attention to. But um, the fact is that on Social Security, you're automatically enrolled. For the rest of us that delay enrollment in your world, you know there's a profile or a certain type of demographic people that want to choose to delay their benefits, whatever their choice is. Um, Those individuals, if they do need to go on Medicare, have to do it voluntarily. And there's no notification that you receive. You have to take the action. And with Social Security offices being closed due to COVID, uh, the best way to do it is to create an SSA.gov account, as you know, but they don't apply for their financial benefits. There's a tab below that that allows them to apply for their A and B benefits. Now, if they're not tech savvy, they can do a paper application and fill out what's called the 40B and mail that in or fax it into their local office. And they also can make a phone appointment to do the, the enrollment over the phone. The one thing that we kind of tell people, though, is that can be four to six weeks into the future. So it's not something that you can call up today. They'll make an appointment and they'll call you in the future to do that enrollment. So those are the, the process around turning 65 and applying for Medicare. 
And then again, once you get the A and B secured is what allows you to do the Medicare supplement, the Medicare Advantage and the prescription drug benefit. So um, all of that, it, I, I mean, from a layperson's point of view, it is confusing. <laughs> There's a lot you just told us there. Um, so who is reaching out to you then as far as needing help with Medicare? Sure. So, uh, you know, there's 60 million approximately people on Medicare today. I know the estimates are by the end of this decade to have over 80 million. So there's a lot of people over 10,000 a day. And those are the people that are reaching out to us looking for guidance and assistance. There's no cost for our services. We're compensated by the insurance companies. So to have access to our knowledge and our ability to navigate you through the process uh, without getting into details, but for many, we can, but for many, if you do not enroll properly, for example, under that initial, you would could face not only delays in benefits, but lifetime penalties. So we want to always make sure that the people we work with, that we make penalty free, the plans they want on time, no breaks in benefits, things like that. We always uh, take extra caution and care in making sure those things happen uh, for our, our clients, for sure. I can see um, how valuable your company is to people. Um, but those who don't know details about Medicare yet, um, two things. Can you explain the different parts in a little more detail, just generally? And also that penalty that could occur if someone continues to work and they're covered under a health care plan and they don't enroll at 65. What is the potential yep. there? Yep. So I'll, I'll just because I had mentioned enrollment periods, I'll stay with the penalties first, and then we'll discuss the parts of Medicare. So again, the two profiles that we were talking about earlier, if you're required to enroll in Medicare at 65 because you're considered needing Medicare as your primary payer of claims, if you do not enroll in that seven-month window, which is the three months prior to your birth month, the month of, and the three months after, if you miss that entire seven-month window, you would now be entering a situation where you could be penalized. And what I mean by that is the Part B penalty starts 12 months from the start of your initial Medicare eligibility. So using September 1st with me, if I didn't enroll by December or by well December 31st of my year, I would potentially be able to enroll in January under what's called the general enrollment period. But if I miss that for some reason and wait till next September, I can't call them up and say, hey, or no, August, hey, I'm just about 11 months. Can I avoid this penalty? I can't do that because Medicare, once you miss that initial enrollment is what I mentioned earlier, is called the general enrollment period. So for anyone wanting to add Medicare, they can do that January 1st through March 31st of every year. But if I miss that, you have to wait till the next time that rolls around. Point being, every 12 months that you miss is a 10% penalty of the base premium of Part B for the rest of your life. So using the numbers from this year, the base Part B is 148.50. If for some reason at some point you had missed your on-time enrollment when you were first eligible and you have a 10% penalty, you would pay 148.50 plus 14.85 and a penalty for the rest of your life. And then next year it goes to 158.50, you'd pay $15.85 additional penalty. So it's a lifetime penalty. The prescription is calculated on a monthly basis. So if I didn't enroll in a Part D plan when I was first eligible, it's a 1% per month for every month that you missed. And you can only add prescription other than if you had some form of special enrollment period in October. So if I missed my enrollment, like I said, initially with September, 
I can't enroll in January. I have to wait till the next October to start the next January. And I would face about a 16% penalty of what's called the national benefit premium average, $33. So 16% times $33, I would owe another $5 every month for the rest of my life and a penalty. So before you go on to the specifics of each part of Medicare, I I, am just wondering why is it set up that way? And all that occurs to me is that it's meant to be a national healthcare coverage and they are anticipating a certain number of participants, right? That's right. Yeah. It's the idea of of everyone paying their fair share. So if you're delaying and not paying your fair share, they're going to catch up in a sense by using a penalty. I believe just again, the reports we see, there's about uh, between 750 and a million people that are currently in penalty statuses with Medicare. So it's a significant number in terms of just being a large number of also yeah. almost a million people, you know, it's about almost one and a half percent of the total eligible. So it's not a huge number if you look at the whole pool of Medicare eligibles, but right. nonetheless, it is significant. And you, again, there's the scarier part to me is not so much the penalty, Martha. I mean, I get it's money, but it's the fact that if I missed my enrollment just last month, say hypothetically, I was turning 65, I don't have health insurance. I mean, that's this, if I have to go on Medicare, because without B, you can't buy a Medigap or a Medicare Advantage plan. All you have is Part A, and Part A only covers a hospital, outpatient rehab, home health care, and hospice. So you go to a doctor, Part A doesn't help you. So the point I'm making is it's a, it's a very concerning situation if someone doesn't take B, because you're, in a sense, you have almost no insurance. Yeah. Now, if you have A only, you can buy D, so you can salvage the prescription aspect. But without B, you don't have really insurance. Scary. It's a scary proposition. Especially at at that age. Correct. So tell us a little more now about just briefly the the different parts for people. So I mentioned A. A is a very narrow benefit. And for most of us, that worked or spouses worked and you know, the 40 quarters or 10 years, part A is premium free. It's not free because we pay taxes, but it's premium free. And it covers just those four aspects of healthcare. Part B is everything else. That's going to be your doctors, whether it's primary care or specialist, outpatient procedures, labs, MRIs, CAT scans, diagnostic exams, outpatient uh, PT or, you know, non-facility-based PT, OT, ST, urgent care, you name ambulance, you name it. It's all of the really what your healthcare is, is part B. Uh, I'm going to skip C for a second. Part D, drugs. Part D in 2006 was enacted to address the rising cost of prescriptions that seniors were facing. So A, B, D, and then C, which is Medicare Advantage, is A, B, and D in a sense combined under a private insurance company or health plan that will manage your benefits. So quickly, and then there's Medigap. And Medigap technically isn't part of Medicare because it's a secondary payer. So quickly, there's two options that uh, eligibles can choose to enroll. The first one is they stay on original Medicare A and B, buy a Medigap and a standalone prescription. That's one option. The second option is that you enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan which would give you those A, B, and D benefits, again, managed through a private insurance company or health plan. They, in a sense, collect the money from Medicare to manage your benefits. So there's so many moving and different pieces, especially across all the different states. I, I mean, people really do need 
someone to guide them through this. It's not as simple as just, well, you know, the important thing to understand that, you know, if you go on a Medicare Advantage plan, for example, that the government mandates that the benefits within that plan, no matter where you are in the country, have to either meet or can exceed Medicare benefits. They cannot offer you less. So, for example, an, uh, one that's just simple is it Part A uh, Medicare uh, outpatient care for a skilled nursing. If you have regular original Medicare, you get 20 days paid at 100%. On Medicare Advantage, if you sign up, you'll get 20 days paid at 100%. That, you know what I'm saying? So they couldn't border that down and make it 19, 18, 17, 16. They have to equal the Medicare benefits. Where Medicare Advantage exceeds Medicare is something like dental. Under original Medicare, unless it was something that was involving like a broken jaw or something that was truly a, a medical situation, Medicare will not cover your routine dental visits to your dentist. Medicare Advantage, many plans will offer you a dental benefit that will cover your cleanings, x-rays, oral exams, and could do fluorides and root canals and things like that. But original Medicare doesn't. Medicare Advantage exceeds that benefit. I see. Okay. That's really helpful to know. Um, You give a talk about Medicare and what it means for businesses. For business owners in the audience, what can you tell them about Medicare and why do you present this course? What does it mean for business? Sure. sure. Well, we've seen uh, in recent uh, months uh, since 2020, the growth in what's called ICRAs, Individual Coverage Health Reimbursement Accounts or Arrangements. And these are where an employer can class out their employees that are getting health insurance. So what it is, is you have a large group of 10,000 employees and they have part-timers that are eligible for health insurance, hypothetically. The employer can say, we no longer want to offer access to health insurance. However, for that class of people, those part-timers, we will offer them $200 a month, $300 to go out and buy their own health plans. Because in many states, the individual market can be stronger than the employer plans. And then those impacted that are over 65 because they're losing that large group health insurance we can assist those individuals enrolling in Medicare and using that money to pay for their Part B premiums, their Medigap, their Medicare Advantage, their prescription drug premiums, or however it's designed. So we don't advocate that you move people off of your health plan because you can't like just force people off because they're turning 65. But as part of what we've seen in the growth of these ICRAs, you know, we can be a part of that solution by helping those people transition off of health insurance onto Medicare and then opting to pick the right benefits after that. And do you see that as um, something that could perhaps um, increase the maintenance of older workers in the workplace? Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I mean, the ICRA concept has only been around for a little over, well, almost a year and three quarters, if you want to look at it that way. Um, And with COVID, I think a lot of things have been slower to adopt. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think, you know, more people are working past 65, or at least it seems to me. Um, The number I'm told is the total workforce, those past 65 are about 2.7% of the working population. I don't know the trend in that. I just kind of know that that's the number today. But, you know, I I think it's 
uh, it could create a win-win because what if someone who's 68 years old has a $10,000 deductible where if they go on a, whether it's a Medicare Advantage plan could have a zero deductible, original Medicare for this year has a $203 deductible. So that individual could greatly benefit by reducing their exposure to claims and, and financial impact if they had a medical condition or situation. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm particularly interested in the whole um, increase of older workers and or maintaining the older, older workforce. And that seems like that would play into that. Um, what are the most common myths that you hear about Medicare? Sure. You talk well, to people. I think the first one is that Medicare is free. Um, <laughs> we we kind of know that's not the case. I think the second one would be uh, Medicare covers everything. Well, I'm not sure there's anything in the world that covers everything. Um, So just those, or or sometimes, you know, other myths would be, uh, well, in a sense, some people are unaware that if you earn more, you pay more. So that's what's called the IRMA, I-R-M-A-A, income-related monthly adjustment amount. And under IRMA, if you earn more than um, a certain amount, you pay more for your Part B and Part D. So this year it's 188,000 in individual if your modified adjusted gross income from two years ago was more than 88,000 or a married couple, 176, you would begin to get in this IRMA where instead of paying 148.50, you would pay $207. So you're going to pay an additional, uh, it's like $59 just rounding it because of your income. And then if you made over the next bracket, it would go up to 297 and it keeps going up based on your income. So sometimes people are unaware of when they sign up, they get their initial bill for 148.50 and then they get a second bill saying you owe all this extra money and they're confused by it and justifiably so. We typically, while we don't pry to people's financial situations, we do have that conversation up front to prepare them. And then there also is an opportunity for you to appeal that amount if you're, for example, truly retiring or reducing hours where your income this year, say, would be significantly lower than two years ago when they look back at it. You can file appeals for that. So we just make sure that our clients understand their rights within Medicare. And I mean, those are, there's more than that. But Martha, I just yeah. said those are kind of the obvious ones that we get most of our calls on. Yeah, well, and that's related to the Social Security earnings test when you're um, uh, younger than full retirement age. So, but that's only earned income. So for Medicare, what income counts for the IRMA? Yeah, so I'm not an accountant. I'll never, uh, well, I took a couple of good accounting courses at University of Richmond. Uh, I will tell you that I'm not an accountant, but it's your modified adjusted gross income and the easiest okay. way that I can is your AGI is the highest number, or sorry, your gross income is the highest number, your AGI is the lowest number, MAGI is going to be your AGI with some add back because they exempt some of your deductions to get to the MAGI. That's so it's the, the MAGI that they use for Medicare. That's yes, that's correct, Martha. Okay. Yep. That's easy for me to remember. Yep. M and M. Okay. Yep. You're a numbers person, so I know you... Uh, <laughs> I know you're comfortable um, with that conversation more than I am, I'm sure. How is this big bubble of boomers going through at 10,000 people every day uh, affecting Medicare or is it? And will it affect it in, in the future or are they all yeah. prepared for that? Yeah. So so what I alluded to that IRMA uh, payment for those impacted, it's somewhere between five and 7% of the country. Again, what we're told, I don't have any access to the uh, GAO's reports uh, are in detail, but the point I'm making is 
that Irma has added uh, they, that five to seven percent of population fund twenty five percent of Part B and thirty five percent of Part D. So the goal of the 2011 under the Affordable Care Act, this was passed. Uh, it is in a sense increasing funding into the Medicare programs. Uh, I again, I don't know the solvency of it because you read. I feel, almost feel like I read conflicting reports, but yeah. the, the point is, you know, they they have tried as a uh, fiscal, I guess, responsibility to stabilize the Medicare fund, uh, but that's really all I, I you know, as yeah. far as details, that's what I can speak of com- yeah. confidently. Um, what research should people do when they're considering the supplemental insurance? Sure. Sure. You know, ahead of picking plans, I just, it's the same thing. Just make sure you know when you need to enroll. That's the most important thing. Um, when we get clients, just is it to take a step back? The first thing is when are you retiring? Because for example, Medicare only starts on the first of the month. So being that it only starts on the first of the month, uh, you do, wouldn't want to cancel your health insurance the 15th prior or, or something where you have a gap. But once you kind of find yourself in a situation where you are going on Medicare, uh, it's really what we focus on is care first and cost second. And what I mean by that is that we want to make sure whatever decisions that you make are shaped by, are you able to still see your current providers, whether it's one doctor, two doctors, a primary with three specialists, Um, believe it or not, Medicare Part D plans have what's called preferred pharmacy. So we would want to keep you with a preferred pharmacy to keep your cost down. And, you know, we also never underestimate the value of a pharmacist in the uh, health equation for our health. So we look at all that and say, what plan or plans will allow you to access your care? And then once you pare that list down or open that list to whatever size it is, that allows you to have the secondary conversation. So a simple one would be, what if your doctor takes Medicare, but not any Medicare Advantage plans? In order to stay on that doctor's care, you would have to elect to stay on original Medicare and get a supplement. Where vice versa, if a doctor for some reason didn't take Medicare, but only took Medicare Advantage plans, we wouldn't put you on an original Medicare with a supplement because accessing that doctor, you wouldn't have any benefits. So those are baseline what we look at in terms of helping. And then, you know, budget and, you know, budget and costs obviously play into everything we do uh, at just in life, all our financial decisions. Um, and again, that's the secondary part, but we always focus on the care part first. There's no question that that's the most important part, because as you alluded to, you know, we get older, we want to make sure our health is at the forefront. And this just makes me even realize more how um, people cannot really do this on their own. It's just so confusing. It's like Social Security. It seems like it's simple. You just sign up. That's right. That's right. Really, there's more to it to get the most out of it. Yeah. I mean, wise. yeah, look, I mean, this is what I do for a living. And of course, you know, what I'm going to say sounds like a solicitation, but there's a lot of people that do what I do across the country and we cannot, well, some people charge a fee as an agent, you choose to take a fee, which means you don't do the enrollments. And then there's other people like us that don't charge any fees. We're compensated by the various insurance companies we work with. So there's no cost to an individual to engage our services. And, you know, whether I, whether I help you when you enroll or not, my job is to help you. That's how we approach it at Medicare portal. So a phone call to us is never going to be a bill, a charge. And if you like us, you know, we would love to do business with you. And if you don't, well, that's fine too. I mean, that's perfectly fine as well. Well, it's wonderful for our audience to know about this because um, it's just, and it goes hand in hand with social security. I I work with clients 
so much on this where I'm referring them to someone, but it's nice to know there's one that will be national to help all across the country. I think we're kind of uh, winding up here with our, our interview. Um, what else should I ask you? Oh, what realistic changes would you make to Medicare? And if you have an opinion, Social Security, uh, why? If you had the ability to make changes, what would you do? Yeah, so I would tell you safely that I'm uh, probably as clueless as uh, a lot of people when it comes to Social Security. Uh, I'm only 55 and I don't uh, really worry about it today. I probably will work till I die. So I'm not really worried about Social Security um, as far as Medicare, what changes would I make? I really think there'd be one, one overlying or wholesale change I would make. And that is that the prescription drug plans, not the providers, I'm a, is, are confusing. And what I mean by that is there's a deductible phase, then what's called an initial coverage phase. Then there's the coverage gap that's called, we know as the donut hole. And then there's what's called catastrophic. And it becomes very confusing because your drugs could cost four different amounts during the course of the year. And it just, if there was a way for us to help explain to our clients or simplify the program where even if it changed, it wasn't four times. And because there's also five tiers and the tier of the drug impacts, how it accumulates. And it just... There's a lot of moving parts and sadly, it becomes overwhelming. And while we have an educational class every month, we offer it's 15 minutes that we go over the specifics of the program, not the companies, but the program so that people could better understand it. It still is a very confusing part of Medicare. So the one overwhelming change I would make would be to look at how you could simplify the prescription drug benefits under Medicare. And then each individual needs to decide based on the prescriptions that they're taking. Yeah. You know, one very important thing that uh, relates to what you just said, Martha, is that we always make sure we emphasize that Medicare is an individual decision. So unlike if you and I were married and your benefits is the one that I was piggybacking off of, I really don't have a choice. And maybe that plan too, we may share a deductible or an out-of-pocket expense. On Medicare, while we still could be married, I have my own Medicare benefits and you have your own benefit. And the thing I say is do what works best for you. Don't follow your friend's advice or your spouse's advice. Even if your spouse is on a plan, but you're, if you want that plan and your doctor's not on that plan, again, it doesn't make any sense for you to follow your spouse onto that plan. So it's truly an individual decision. And really, well, again, piggyback when I said with the prescription drugs, because the drugs you take, the pharmacy you choose, can completely change the pricing where one plan for your spouse might be the cheapest, but yours could be significantly more on the same plan where choosing a plan with a different company might bring your cost down in line with what you're used to paying. So don't just make it an individual decision would be a very important aspect of this conversation. That's really good to know. And, and, and that, and believe it or not, there is confusion about that. So Wrapping up, I, how would people get in touch with you? What's the best way to sure. contact you or your company? Sure. Yep. So we have an educational website. Our website is not a sales website. You will not be spammed or uh, retargeted. It's called medicareportal.org, just spelled out medicareportal.org. Um, you can reach us uh, directly at our uh, corporate offices here in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, 703 214 4600. Uh, if you want to email us, we have a, a public email, info at medicareportal.org. 
Uh, by going to our website, you'll see a lot of the tools we have. You can sign up for webinars, um, whatever we can do to help you understand Medicare. We've developed a lot of our own content with checklists and other helpful tools to uh, help make sure people you know, remember dates and things like that. So anything we can do to help, we're super excited to do. Great. Well, I think I'm going to have you come and give a continuing ed course to our analysts. All in. I love it. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. That was really, really informative, and I, I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Martha. Thank you for the opportunity to share my knowledge.